The information that we are going to be covering in this three-part series titled John Warner IV, Little Anton, and Disclosure contains subject matter that will likely challenge many of you, as it has challenged myself and my colleagues Jean-Luc and John Majorowski. And so before we begin this presentation, I think it is extremely important to highlight the primary reason for our decision to cover this. The primary reason being that the source of this information is a man whose position within two extremely influential and affluent American families has afforded him the ability to obtain information and establish networks with individuals that the vast majority of us would be unable to gain access to. John Warner IV is a member of both the Warner and Mellon dynasty. His father is former Senator John Warner III, and he is also the third cousin to the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence and current major proponent for transparency on the UFO UAP issue, Christopher Mellon. It is important to note that John Warner IV is on good terms with his family. He considers Christopher Mellon to be a friend as well as a relative, and so John is not the black sheep of the family. He has not been ostracized for writing his book, Little Anton. And with that in mind, I hope you enjoy the first part of this three-part series regarding John Warner IV, his book Little Anton, and disclosure of the UFO reality as he sees it. Well, what do you, what do you, how do you guys want to jump into this? Because um, me, me and John were just saying that this is kind of, you know, you're, the, you're a bit of the man of the hour right now, John, because this is your contact that you've managed to get hold of that we're going to talk about right now. And so I don't know if you wanted to maybe kick it off for everyone listening, because this is a kind of a specific talk that we're doing tonight. Yeah, for sure. It is a specific talk, and it's one that's been as surprising for me as it is for when I've probably told you guys about it. <laughs> like, yeah. um, basically, I think for me, it's what's interesting is that if anyone that's actually followed what I'm interested in, um, a lot of it is the connections with TTSA to Carl Jung and the Mellon family. Um, and that area of it. So I've kind of really, I've been really interested in uh, Chin Chin, by the way, Jay. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been really interested in that element. So it's kind of like, so what I did was obviously I spent a lot of my time researching the melons as opposed to UFOs. Because one thing that I have always thought is who's the most important person in this picture? with to the stars academy and what's the motivation behind it so that's always been what my uh, source of inspiration for looking into this is so the mellon family are clearly like you know it's no secret they're one of the wealthiest families in america or, or you know a dynasty of uh, bank uh, banking family politicians uh, cia department of defense the whole thing um really interesting family and you know there's plenty of books out there about them and there's plenty of books out there about their family and uh, it's all there so dig in because it really is when you look at it part of a huge picture and um so anyway so whilst i was researching this stuff um i really got into the uh, the connections between uh carl young paul mellon who is chris mellon's I don't even know what the relation is. It'll be like great, great uncle. And just just for bookkeeping, for those that don't know, Christopher Mellon is the former deputy assistant under uh, sorry, former deputy assistant secretary of defense for intelligence. Just for anyone who's tuned in who has no idea who the Mellons are. That's it. So, um, you know, an important guy, and 
so anyway, so I started researching this family and uh, the, the Mellon family, there's a very important guy in the story called Paul Mellon, who during World War II or in the lead up to World War II, he was a, a philanthropist, a, a lover of arts and cultures. Um, he was really into racing, racing and racehorses. Um, just a cultured man, you know. Uh, and met the Queen, uh, was uh, by all accounts a knight of the British Empire, um, which is very interesting stuff. Was he anyway, American? Sorry, John. Was he American? Or was he? Yeah. Well, he's from an Irish family, okay. um, a Southern Irish family, who moved out to America in the 1800s. Okay. Um, very successful member that moved out there that then went on to start the banking dynasty. Um, but it was forward to the sort of end of the 30s or the mid-30s and Paul Mellon has become really interested in the work of um, Carl Jung. And he's become interested in this through his wife, Mary, Mary Mellon. She's really into it. And they've spent a lot of time reading his stuff right into him. They went to London before they actually met him to try and see him in a, a talk he was giving there. You know, so they were they were making real efforts to try to get to know this guy at a time where there was no internet and there's no emails. It was hard work. But being movers and shakers, they did it. So they ended up going over to Switzerland to Bollingen Tower, which is where Carl Jung was practicing some of his uh, more interesting work. Um, again, these are things that you can look into, but it's just forming a little picture. Um, from there, the Mellons, Paul and Mary Mellon, were so inspired by his work that they set up the Bollingen Foundation in America. And that was a foundation to further the works of Carl Jung and his ideologies, I suppose. Uh, it was to curate pieces of fine art and history and to pay for archaeological digs around the world. Interesting stuff. They were looking for like some really big answers, both in history and in uh, the psychology of the mind and of the human species. So, uh, big stuff. Meanwhile, World War II starting to build up and the Nazis are, are being well along in power by now. Uh, and it starts, World War II starts. And during this, Paul Mellon... Um, becomes part of the Office of Strategic Services, which is the precursor, some say, well, it is the precursor basically to the CIA. Um, and he went on to meet some incredible people in that role, uh, you know, vastly, vastly important people and vastly influential in terms of what's happened to the way that the world is actually run. You think about the organisations we're dealing with, we're talking about the very secret services. You know, to put it into like the fun aspect, the character Indiana Jones, when you read the stories of him, he was an OSS agent. The super cool guys that are out there, like they're finding the hidden histories and killing Nazis <laughs> and all that stuff, yeah? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's them. That's that vibe. That's the fun vibe of that. Um, so anyway... A really interesting guy. (laughs) International man of mystery. That's it. So we're talking about one of the founding fathers of the American Secret Service in that way, like the OS. And this is is Paul Mellon. Paul Mellon, yeah. yeah, Back in the 
this is 30s, 40s, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, you know, the Bollinger Foundation's been founded. World War II comes to an end. Um, Paul Mellon goes back to being a philanthropist, billionaire, chap around town, you know, <laughs> being influential and rich and, and intelligent. And along with his wife, Mary, um, all the same. Uh, anyway, flash forward to the future. And Christopher Mellon, one of his uh, descendants, is doing TTSA. And TTSA is very spiritual when you read the books, like the, the books that they did with Peter Lavender and some of the things that were in the uh, A.J. Hartley books point that way too. Well, a lot of it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you start to read into that, a lot, a lot of that is pointing towards this same sort of uh, Jungian psyche stuff. So fascinating. That for me was the link. So that was all I wanted to focus on. That's all basically I have been focusing on. Uh, anyway, so last week, I think probably a day before the last time we spoke, I was just on the internet, like I usually do, just hoping that if I type in Bollingen along with the name Melon, I might find a, a random entry that I've never seen before. And this time I had decided to add the word Vril just for fun and so see what I get. Oh. And then up popped a, a website called Axis Histories Forums Online. Which was that? Access or Axis? Axis, as in like, you know, like the... A-X-I-S. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, And on there was quite a nicely written long comment on this forum about essentially the secret history of uh, World War II, where they start to eat. And in this comment, they talk about the connections between what was going on with the OSS. uh, And in this, it also says... The OSS was actually set up and founded by Alan Dulles, who is this, one of the main guys from the CIA and onto MK Ultra. We'll go there later. Mm-hmm. Um, and also by Paul Mellon. And check this out, set up by Carl Jung. Oh, like, wow. So I'm like, what, what is this? So I start <laughs> reading it. And again, we should probably put up a screenshot of this if people can pause it and just read it for themselves, yeah? Or yeah. a link so they can go check yeah, it Yeah, no problem. Because it, because what it read, what I was reading was it was mind blowing, and the final paragraph of it all made it even more mind blowing because it just said, "P.S. Like essentially, oh, I'm going to paraphrase. In fact, let me find it. Shall okay. I share it? Do I share screen or shall I just read it to you? I mean, if you wanted, I think you could. If you share screen, does it come up on the screen for everyone yeah, watching the I video? Think, I think so. I think all right, we'll give it, give it, a, give it a go, and if it doesn't work, then we'll just do it in post production. Yeah, there it is. So there it is. Yep, there it is. So. As you can see, it's my favourite topic. Grill <laughs> <laughs> and tool so of society. Is, this is the Axis History Forum. That's it. So it's, um, yeah, AxisHistory.com forums. So this this post here, written by JWW427. Okay, I'll read it. Dear members, although I read and learn much more here on the forum than post, and thank you for all that, I would like to finally tell my small family story regarding the Nazi Thule and Vril societies in Project Paperclip. Yes, this can be considered a conspiracy theory by many, but I assure you that in my opinion, there is much more to this topic than we are told in history books. Much more. The two societies can trace their esoteric roots back to 1850s era Prussia, especially Silesia. I think that's how you say it. Scientists in Prussia back then were very spiritual philosophers, scientists and clearly understood alchemical secrets of all ages the nordic pagan law and the concept of real energy chi prana etc was a big deal hence the concept of the philosopher's stone 
Prussia also had many very good technical schools. Prussian royalty had plenty of money. Politicians dreamed of a unified Germany, a marriage made in Valhalla. How do I know all this? Because my granddad got me started on the proto-Nazi trail back when I took military history at the University of Virginia in 1985. The tangled roots of National Socialism goes way, way back, as you all know. The secret societies were important esoteric think tanks and spiritual guidance factories. History books don't mention much about them, and I think that's on purpose. The Vril and the Thule societies were linked, and they unofficially chose Hitler after one member, Baron Rudolf Freer von Sebottendorf, saw him give a passionate speech. They thought Adolf could be a messiah figure for them to promote, peaceful advancement for Germany in politics and new ancient technology. Hitler soon thought otherwise. At this time in 1919, Rudolf Hess was already a full society member. Is everyone's field boots connecting? Cuff bands sewn on tight, uniforms crisp. Here we go, Kameraden. <laughs> this guy's cool, isn't he? Um, <laughs> my grandfather, Paul Mellon, was a US Army cavalry officer under Patton and later an OSS member in World War II with his brother in law, David K.E. Bruce, and friend Alan Dullers, JFK fame. Dullers was station chief in Switzerland. Bruce was London's. The OSS wanted smart, conservative and very well-educated personnel who were well-travelled, especially in Europe, especially in Germany, multilingual. Wild Bill Donovan was a family friend. Patton and George Marshall were my granddad's fox-hunting pals in Virginia. This was a highfalutin OSS group that included Carl Jung, Julia Child and Moberg, the Red Sox player. Famed psychologist Carl Jung, a good friend of my mystic grandmother, Mary Mellon, was tasked by Dullers to perform a psychological makeup of the Nazi top brass in Hitler. We all know how that went. Cuckoo crazy for Cocoa Puffs, a lot of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> by, by, by Dullers admired the Nazis and their diligent handiwork a bit too much for my taste. Uh, right, so links obviously to his family. George, can you read in? Well, this is, uh, so <clears throat> just to kind of clarify for everyone, everyone reading, this is a member of the Mellon family who's talking about his grandfather, who we were just talking about, Paul Mellon, right? So the, the guy you were just giving a background on before we started talking about this, this is a member of the Mellon family whose uh, grandfather was Paul Mellon. That's it, yeah. Right, okay. So and how, you stumbled how much- upon this guy by just typing those three words into the, to the search, right? Yeah, pretty much it. Like, right. It's just one of those things, you know, I just, I just knew, knew that this had so much to it. Um, so much more depth than what we've been given by to the Stars Academy with all due respect to it like there's so much more to it and what I think they were trying to do maybe is you know was, might be getting ahead of myself here but it wasn't deep enough it was too much hype it was too much like they were trying to launch a new film that was coming out um, now that's my opinion but it hasn't worked and the stories that were supposed to come from that are these ones. Well, what's interesting is you haven't just stumbled upon this post and, and that's the end of this story. You're actually now in communication with this guy quite yeah. frequently. And uh, you, you've actually, you, you know, you seem to be having quite a good rapport with him. Absolutely. Because this stuff is, it is deep. And let's be honest, like, you're not, no one is going to give anybody any real answers by 
being on Twitter or on Reddit or any of these things or here listening to us. But this is probably some of the best stuff that we might get based on who this contact is. And if you listen, if we are, well, I mean, you guys have seen a lot of this already. Um, you'll see that pretty much everything he's saying is absolutely fascinating. And most of it backed up either by history, archaeology, archaeological finds, um, and the fact that this guy's dad was part of it all. Yeah. Sorry, granddad. His own father, like well, skip forward. So Paul and Mary Mellon had a daughter. Um, right. I'm gonna. I'm just yeah. gonna cut this off of the thing so we can just see us. So because we can link it. Yeah, I was about to ask re- if, yeah. you could, if you could. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That way, that way we can just link it and everybody can get to it. But you know, we get the, the majority of it. Sorry, John. Sure. Didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, you, yeah, cool. Yeah. No, yeah, it's just. Sure. Um, I'd rather look at your beautiful face. Oh, <laughs> <me too. laughs> no, like, um, and I got I'd some shaman piss here. I'd rather right. look at that real document, but like, um, Ashley, yeah. would you mind? Sorry to interrupt, but would you mind just for people that don't know, um, what what is the Vril Society? What is the Thule Society? Yeah, yeah, like they were, um, I guess, mystical occult societies um, connected to the German um, Nazi movement, the Third Reich. And the build up to it, so like, uh, willing or not, I mean, uh, the Vril Society were made up of psychics who believed that they descended or had contact with uh, beings, ascended beings from Aldebaran. So, so, so this was. And let's preface it with that: the, the Nazis just didn't come up with this. This was happening in Germany prior to World War Two, mm. prior to World War One. Yeah, right? uh, well, yeah, because because this would have been going on. Well, this is the thing about this, right? It's been going on forever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm just talking about the ger- the, germ- the Germanic, Germanic, well, all, yeah, all, right. all the German stuff. Well, yeah, but if you think about what was the precursor to even some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bavarian Illuminati. Uh, most Bavaria is in Germany, yeah? So right. you go even further back, it's, it just goes back and back and back and back, you know, like it's it's massive. Um, it's called something uh, different all the time. It's always kind of the mystery schools. It's called, it's always the, you know, yeah. whatever you want to call it, there's always a different name, but there's underlying esoteric knowledge-based seeking societies that come together for the study of esotericism and yep. to make contact yep. with non-human entities. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like and, a pretty and, good yeah, assessment. <laughs> Sorry. I just what, tried to sum it up a little bit there. No, that was, that was good. It was succinct. <laughs> well, that's, that's what the real society were trying to do. And like, they were trying to basically, um, advance the human race by, uh, utilizing psychic abilities to communicate with beings from, Aldebaran or wherever ascended beings from wherever in the cosmos. Um, and they had and success. Let's not, let's not, I mean, in their minds, I mean, I'm not going to say, yeah. I, I don't well, know. I can't point to something, but they had in their minds thought they had success, right? Absolutely. And the fact is that they were by, you know, a lot of reports will say that they were heavily sort of connected, whether they liked it or not to um, OTO, the Ordo Templus Orientis, which was a crap, like to be Crowley's thing. Um, to be fair, Crowley infiltrated it and kind of 
to, yes, yeah, yeah, Crowley, it wasn't Crowley. So Crowley decided to just bull, you know, bulldog his way into it and take stuff and call it his own. Same thing. What he tried to do with the golden Dawn. He literally like in one of the stories, my, you know, my, my brother Robbie told is like, he, he ended up hooking up one of the, one of the guy's wives and figured out where the golden Dawn's um, uh, meeting place was and like went in there and like took all the books and locked the doors and like they were trying to beat, you know, beat on the doors to try to break it in. And finally, he like smuggled out a bunch of documentation and was like, see ya. And by the time the cop showed up, he was like gone. And like, so he was right. that kind of asshole. So he, he yeah. got in the OTO and Golden Dawn and stuff like that. Sorry, I just wanted to put that out there that, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's not um, let's not sully the names of some of these good societies by with Crowley. Um, right, totally. That's where I was getting at. Yeah, they were yeah, great. No, absolutely, John. You know, I'm, you know, cool with that, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and there is a distinction between this stuff and, you know, if you believe if you believe in this stuff and you, you believe it to the level that Crowley believed in it, and you're talking about magic and that black, magic can be black or white, I guess. Anyway, let's go back to the story. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, so anyway, this, this forum piece has been written by um, a guy called John Warner the fourth. Now, the very last paragraph of that forum post that I was reading you said, says, P.S. Because you're going to have to read this, all this yourself. But anyway, P.S. Ask yourselves why my dear friend and third cousin, Chris Mellon, the former Deputy Undersecretary of Defence for Intelligence, is involved with the Pentagon's and the U.S. Navy's gun camera UFO disclosure campaign. Why is it linked with President Trump's newly formed U.S. Space Force? C, to the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, have fun. And then he leaves it. So <laughs> a couple of comments, but he wrote that on 23rd of July, 2019. So what's that? Yeah, 18 months ago, whatever. Um, and on a Axis history forum. So not UFOs, not any conspiracy stuff. He just stuck it on there. And you know what? Looking at this thing now, he's had one reply. <laughs> is that you <laughs> no it's not me it's just somebody just being like what a great story fantastic you know it just says the one comment says thanks for your input and thoughts certainly wow. makes for interesting reading uh, wow. what an interesting family we'll be buying your book blah 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 do you know it's just like have uh, you read what's in there <laughs> so so, so how did how did this lead to you getting actually in contact with this guy well well because then obviously i was like right let's investigate everything i can about what i'm reading here um and there's a link on the website to his own website called littleanton.com where he's written a book called Little Anton and it's about um, Porsche, Porsche during the, uh, during the World War II and rate motor racing in Germany. The, mo- um, the, ma- the car manufacturer, the car, the Porsche. Yeah, Porsche yeah, race yeah, cars, yeah, right. sports cars. And like, because um, John... One of the fourth is an ex race car driver. He got into racing, um, which is what you do when you're a billionaire, right? You just... Absolutely. So, <laughs> at so a go kart, I don't know. That doesn't well, count for me. Well, it's, it's, if you look, if you look online at the stuff he's doing, like yeah, the the blurb he does for his book, the little the sort of uh, you know, talking to camera stuff he's doing is from the wheel of his vintage Porsches as he flies down the road. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, dude. But like, uh, it goes right back yeah. to the international man of mystery that we talked about, right? Like it's in the family. Yeah. It goes right yeah. back to the. But he, so he, um, but he's at the same time like incredibly normal and open. And his dad was John Warner the Third, who uh, was married. His mother was Catherine uh, Conover Mellon. Um. So she uh, was the link to Paul Mellon. 
so his through the maternal side and on the, the his dad's family were just a history of like senators and politicians like his dad was a senator um, in the 70s he was also the secretary for the navy so we want we're talking serious stuff yeah right? not not small fries here these are big players this there's a there's a navy submarine named after his father right like that's right there's yeah. a submarine yeah. that's named after yeah. his father right and um, that submarine comes into this story quite heavily, like in terms of being, you know, a little bit more sort of meat on this uh, on this barbecue. In the Lanton, I wrote that a zero-point energy generator on board a submarine would make perfect sense because you have all the electricity you need. You don't need the diesel engines at all, theoretically. And that the electromagnetic bubble that would surround the sub would have some anti-drag capability. This was around the time when the USS John Warner was launched. You know, it's a Virginia-class attack submarine. I went down there for the christening, and I talked to the captain. And we're sitting there next to the hull. I've got my hand on the hull. And I said, Captain, I'm going to guess that this sub does not use traditional nuclear propulsion. I'll bet you it can go 90 knots. And he just smiled and nodded, and he said, you know, it's very nice to meet you, Mr. Water. You're a very interesting person. And he and I shook hands, and he walked away. That's validation for me that some type of zero-point energy device has been used on big naval ships and submarines. But it's crazy. So anyway, so I started getting into Little Anton and reading this history of Porsche. Meanwhile, I've put a little thing on Twitter just going, oh, this is amazing. Look what I found on this Axis Forum thing. And I posted it out there. And then, I don't know, an hour later, maybe two hours later, I look back on it and a couple of people are interested. Um, but I've got a reply from somebody called Little Anton. <laughs> <And> <laughs> well, here we go. I found the promotional page and I thought I would just be the publishers or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I tagged it and I got a reply back just going, DM me, you know, let's talk. So DM'd him and then we just moved over to email. Um, and we've been talking ever since. And like, it's just been fascinating, like, quite honestly, absolutely fascinating. I just want to say again, right, just to lay this out, he is a melon. He, his grandfather was Paul Mellon. His, his grandmother was Mary Mellon. They, you got to look it up. They're just vastly influential. His, on his father's side, it's um, the Warners. His dad, second wife, was Elizabeth Taylor. Wow. Maybe third wife. Yeah. Like serious stuff. Like the players, man. Like, you know, in the celebrity stakes too and all that. Um, and John Warner, the fourth, the, the, the author of Little Anton that I'm in, in touch with. He is, he became a race car driver at NASCAR um, and he got injured uh, quite some time ago now um, and he, he damaged his back. Mm. And when he was in recovery for that, he started to get into researching his family history and really researching it and really getting into it. And he said that he's, him and his dad have filed like literally 10,000, well, I don't know, like he's, he's written it. I mean, I'll include that information for you guys to put up. Um, uh, freedom of information requests and stuff. Um, Stephen Greer, incidentally, called out his uh, called out his dad, John Warner the Third, as being a part of magic. Wow! Wow! Okay. Yeah, that got so, his attention, right? I mean, it was yeah. Now that yeah. goes, att- and that's the thing because he's like, well, I'm just a regular dude enjoying my life, yeah? right? Seemingly, you know. He's, Seems like he's had a pretty great life. Well, I don't know, but he seems like he comes from a wealthy family and he's 
Seems he's had some good opportunities to uh, you know go out and experience yeah. things, but he is now what would look to be quite unapologetic about his opinions in this subject. I mean, he has you know well, he spent his... he spent the last ten years or so immersed in it because what he then did was go well. Listen, all these little stories that my granddad told me, all these things that my dad has mentioned to me, all of this stuff that I've seen, like in terms of stuff that we're never ever going to see. You know, he's, he's a melon. He's from that family. His dad was a, uh, his dad is a, a Warner. Like it's stuff that we're never ever going to imagine. Like for example, like the video which we can splice up on here is talking about how he went to visit the sub, the nucleus powered submarine that his name is named after his dad, and he said to the captain of the ship, like this is you know, this is not powered in a by a regular power source, is it? Um, being the son of the guy that the, the, the submarine is, after, is named after, the captain apparently just sort of looked at him and went, you know, shook his hand and just said, you're a very interesting man, aren't you? <laughs> oh, my and gosh. He, he just goes, that's just validation. So, so then he started to look deeper and deeper into it. And basically, he he's essentially wrote Little Anton as a really cool, because he's into history, he's into racing. He's just basically put disclosure into it. So he wrote it in a, in a, it's not nonfiction. It's a fiction book based yeah. on, based on this character in, in racing in the, in the thirties around, yeah. um, you know, car racing. Right. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. but inside of, I think there's like three books, right. But you can get them all on Amazon and we'll link them and stuff. But, um, inside of, inside of this novella, there's like just massive amounts of disclosure information yeah. That yeah, that we've we, we've independently researched us like most of our lives and and came to it, but this dude just puts it all together in this book. Like, <laughs> here you go. Oh, you thought you were reading about racing? Oh, too bad. Let's talk about Elton John. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be interesting for any racing fans out there that yeah. buy his book. Like, oh, a neat little autobiography. Oh yeah. my goodness, what is this? <laughs> well, chap- chapter basically the whole book. I mean, I've I've been reading it because it's a big book. It's yeah, huge. It's, it's huge. It's massive. massive. It's, it's piled all three into one, I think. And. Mm-hmm. it's it's a big read um, and it's really cool and exciting but basically you get to chapter 108 which incidentally is a very very important number in terms of the esoteric and I'm sure that that wasn't by chance mm-hmm. um, but anyway chapter chapter 108 essentially is a, a woman who is a, a British spy uh, with a, an aristocratic lineage to some degree and uh, who is over in Germany as part of the Grand Prix racing scene? He was just trying to infiltrate occult groups in the Nazi. Yeah? Nazi. So that's the sub story. And she's given, or she's she opens up a letter which has been saved for her from an, uh, an important man in this story, uh, McMasters. I think his name is. I have to go back and have a look. Um, and this letter essentially says, "This will explain to you what you're getting into." And burn after reading, essentially. So she reads it, and that's chapter 108. Her sitting down to read it. Oh, she's, nice. a, she's a dry, cynical uh, assassin, I suppose, a spy, but also from an aristocratic family. And all of a sudden, she's given this letter, which tells her everything. And that letter, as she reads it, you know, after a paragraph or so, she'll be like, what a load of hogwash. My God, no way in the British Empire. Yeah. yeah. As it goes on, the reactions to it are like she weeps, and and to be honest, like I guess that that's probably what you're supposed to do 
Now, this takes me to the point of the fact that this information, essentially, and this is what he said in his email, what he's put in that book is disclosure. It is disclosure. And book two that's coming out, he sent me a chapter of that, which is just, you've shown it to you guys, regarding other things, um, carries that on. Um, now, disclosure isn't in what he's saying. Now, listen, I also have to say to this, right? He says many, many times that these are the words are his own, all right? Mm-hmm. Okay? And these, these, this information is stuff that he has compiled from being in a privileged position in terms of his family to put into a picture that makes sense to him. And I'll tell you what, if you follow to the Stars Academy and the, and the Tom DeLong interviews prior to all this going off, the stuff that he talked about is what you'll find in chapter 108. I was about to say, can you, um, and I'm, I'm guilty of being the one person in this chat that hasn't read it yet, and I'm sorry about that, but can you give any highlights as to what that chapter kind of entails? Do you want me to read you a couple of clippets? I think people would appreciate it, yeah. Yeah, some okay. of the stuff, like like I was saying, while you while you dig those out, I mean, some of this stuff is like um, I've read about and and researched on my own, or you know, followed little breadcrumbs here and there to kind of put that together. But he does it in a way that's um, written, like Jean Luc saying, it, it, via this character where she's you can't grasp it because if you just read it plain out without kind of the context of of this character in this fictionalized setting it would kind of be mm-hmm. like it would it literally you'd be having the abrupt. same reactions as this person yeah. is having in the in the story like what yeah. the fuck is yeah. this you yeah. know like no way like no way and then you're like well, oh, I mean, wait a minute that does make sense and it's like you know it's almost this almost sounds a, a bit like you know the secret machines where you've got facts woven with fiction totally. um Not and uh and yeah. obviously this man is from a you know very privileged position being within the melon and the warner families and you know we can uh, can't even imagine if you know if you're if you're within the fold what kind of information might get passed along during a casual conversation out on the porch or something so you know we don't i don't know maybe this is something we can get into in a minute about how he's managed to get some of this information if he's ever said anything to you but before that if you've got some uh, if you've got some snippets to read out please right. go ahead man We'll take it from the like the first little bit where it starts to get funky. So she sat down and she's got a cup of tea and she's about to read this document. So it says here, okay, let's have a look. Upon waking, bored, she cracked open a book her father had read when he was recovering in Cairo during the war, Lord Bulwer-Lytton's famous novel, The Coming Race which described a man's adventure at the Earth's core among tall, godlike, peaceful and noble Aryan people who worshipped a black sun in a higher dimension. They were all vegetarians and controlled a cosmic power called Vril. Her inflamed lower spine sent out a shock or two. Ow. (laughs) Um, That's the character. Vril. You weren't weren't just adding that for emphasis, no? (laughs) That's it. My voice acting is just... Phenomenal. Vril <laughs> was an old Tibetan word with an accompanying lightning bolt style glyph that roughly symbolized the energy source from the inner black sun, which was directly linked to the actual divine feminine creational energy of the cosmos, the same female energy that was secretly worshipped by the Freemasons and other mystics. The Aryans believed that the universe was and still is mental and that all is the mind. They knew that everything and everyone in the great cosmos were part of the same intelligent, spiritual and sentient whole, thus good and evil, positive and negative, moral and immoral, love and hate were all one in the same. Only an individual's perspective and experience were different. Curiously, her th- father said that Bulwer-Lytton, 
was an initiative of the infamous London-based Templar Secret Society, Ordo Templi Orientis, which is of German and Austrian origin. The Theosophical Society of London had ruled the book a work of absolute truth. Take heed, Briggs had said to her, the Nazis are uncouth, savage and strange, all right, but they aren't bloody idiots. Okay, so that's the first part. Um, okay, so here you go. Here's another bit. You ready for this one? Um, okay. This is bizarre in the extreme, she mumbled, remembering some of her Knights Templar history. She snatched her Wiccan folio with all of the colourful drawings off her shelf. In it, Professor Elfric had told her long ago in private that the Templars were the keepers of the ancient knowledge of Atlantis, Poseida, Lumania, Kamarikandam, uh, Maurit- is it Mauritia? Khmer, Undus, Mu, and other worldwide multiracial high civilizations that existed long before the Great Flood of 9600 BC, and that the many pyramids, dolmens, aqueducts, canals, uh, canals ports, and giant temple complexes worldwide were remnants of those people's grand achievements. Stonehenge too. Modern cities were once their colonies. Their legacy was all around us. Architecture, alchemical science, silk, paper, writing, high-quality iron and alloys, the wheels, ships, sails, hemp rope, flint and steel, the bow and arrow, agriculture, irrigation, astrology, airships, and astronomy. Um, Sea levels were far lower before the flood and much more landmass was available for habitation. Islands and continents didn't sink. The water rose above them. All of those impressive megalithic constructions were closely tied with magnetic ley lines, maritime navigation of the globe, using a compass, chronometer, and sextant, sound resonance, astral travel, and the Earth's electromagnetic grid that birds and animals navigate by, which we talked about recently. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, These crystal-based civilizations powered by a second, smaller artificial moon in orbit, also included underground ones in large caverns hundreds of miles wide. These caverns provided a safe, warm, and dry place to escape the deluge, comet impacts, and the following ice age. Geologists, he said, had discovered telltale layers in rock strata, or strata that suggested the flood had really happened, and the many elliptical lakes in the American Carolinas highly indicative of a massive fragmented comet strike just to quickly cut in i believe that this is talking about what's known as the younger dryas cataclysm which they're still not quite sure how the cataclysm took place in regards to there's still contention over whether it was meteorites or something else but um most most people who have been studying this now seem to be in agreement that there was gigantic floods in a very short succession of time so it does look like there was a huge cataclysmic impact at one point Absolutely, and, and and all the flood stories throughout all of history and go exactly every I mean, every on. type of race. How and, can you ignore that? How can yeah, you ignore that? Yeah. And I've been doing a little bit. I mean, to not to sidetrack all this, but I've been doing a lot of research into um, uh, pretty much the solar aspect of all that. So the sun actually goes into a micronova every twelve thousand years because the universe is basically plasma. We live in a plasma universe and um, there's a cycle to all of this, believe it or not. It's every 12,000 years that this actually happens and it starts a mini ice age. It does a flood, mini ice age. It has to do with the poles. I'll put a link. There's a whole, um, there's a guy who's amazing who's got a um, channel and, uh, and uh, it's called uh, Suspicious Observers. And um, are, we, are we far off of hitting the 12,000 year mark or are we still safe? We're close. We're close. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah, we're close. <laughs> well, basically, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm sugarcoating. 
We're fucking close. I'm going to drink some more wine. Yeah, you might as well, man. Yep. Check this out. All right. This is cool. The cosmos's voice of creation was feminine, hence the secret goddess worship by the Freemasons and other esoteric orders, most especially the Egyptian Isis, a.k.a. Columbia. However, the Vatican, kings and emperors had long ago decreed women to be inferior chapels because Rome was in great fear of their vast creative power, in fear of female druids who clearly understood deeply ancient wisdom, geomancy, holistic herbal medicine, the power of nature, cosmic spirituality, pure love, tolerance towards all, and especially the grail knowledge, thus resulting in the many witch hunts and inquisitions throughout history, the Cathars of France, the Christian Gnostics, the Druze of Syria, Pythagoreans, Druidic Celts, Sufis, Zoroastrians and the Templars were all brutally persecuted for their adherence to ancient Grail doctrines and Hermetic wisdom. So we're going into Templar stuff like um, secret histories came from the Templar. Like we're talking about secret foundations, uh, these people being put down so these things are kept secret. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> Uh, from, yeah, what I understand, from what I understand, um, yeah, 1307, um, the Pope and the King of France decided on Friday the 13th, and that's why Friday the 13th is bad, believe it or not, that uh, hmm. Friday the 13th at dawn, all the Freemasons are going to be rounded up and burned at the stake for heresy. Yeah. Um, all over, right? Um, some of them got tipped off, and I don't know for certain, but I have a good suspicion that they made it off uh, with some of these important things to some place where I may be sitting currently in a continent <laughs> aspect. Not in my house. No, I don't have that. I chair. was going to say, like, whoa. <laughs> no, 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 But Scott Walter goes into it a lot. Um, basically, right. the whole um, the Templars get into America before anybody else got here for his Columbus and you know, all that other bullshit. But yeah, supposedly they got away with a lot of that stuff before a lot of people were burned at the stake. Um, Jacques de Molay in 1307 um, was in the, was on a pike in the river. um, uh, What's the river that runs through there? Um, The Thames, maybe I could be wrong, but anyways, he was there and everybody was around and the Pope and the King were there. And he said, you two were going to join me before the year is out. Oh, he's burning and he wouldn't recant. They tried to say that he was worshiping the devil and that he was doing all this, this blasphemy stuff and he never did. And it was tortured, you know, for year, a couple of years, I think. And he's like, you two are going to join me before the year's out. And then the Pope and the King ended up dying that year as well. So there's a, wow. you know, that was the Templar yeah. story, the way I understand it. And it, it's, so I'm going to have to put my specs on so I can't see what I'm reading. No, 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 it's okay. I'm sorry there was an aside there, but th- that whole thing was like, you know, kind no, of no, a it's massive totally, thing, it, you know? Well, it's totally relevant in it. So like, um, well, basically, let me get to this bit. Okay, you ready for this? Um, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Let's take it out of that because, honestly, anyone could, after reading this, after listening to this, can go and buy a little Anton for £7 or whatever it may be in dollars. And Link, Links will be in the description box below. And go and read yes. this, chapter 108. I'm not going to dwell too long on this because we've got plenty of other stuff to talk about that I've been saying, which is probably going to be easy to digest. But this chapter is very important. Um, I just want to find this bit. Okay. In a somber tone, he wrote that via his accumulated intelligence over the last 35 years from his foreign office world travels that allowed him to brush shoulders with all quarters of international court society, most especially Gnostic Christian elders, High-ranking Samoon and Sufi mystics, well-respected Arabian philosophers, 
outcast European royalty with a rare sense of decency, retired Turkish field marshals that wanted forgiveness from Allah, Buddhist monks, Hindu vipers, uh, excommunicated Freemasons as et al. He had connected thousands of uncomfortable hazy dots that eventually formed a mostly cloudless picture, one that took him many years, tears, sleepless nights and bottles of whiskey to accept. Now, this is it, I suppose. You ready? <laughs> Finally, he understood that the real world was nothing like how they once imagined it. All the stories and legends were eerily similar, and in his opinion, it took an open-minded, highly educated intelligence officer like him to piece it all together for civilized, civilized English eyes like hers. Bit on the high horse, a eh, Colonel? Wanker. That's the character. <laughs> Typical British swear word right there. <laughs> That's it. Um, firstly, the basic gist was thus. The Earth had been created eons ago by many groups of our ancient star cousins to be a very special garden planet to support the cosmos in a spiritual sense. She also had a feminine soul, hence Mother Earth. All life... Every fish, bacteria, tree plant, butterfly, whale, bird, insect and animal had been brought here from elsewhere in the universe and with plenty of life-giving water to nurture them, species after species. Everything and everyone in the cosmos that was given the spark of life was an eternal soul, from the atom to the star, and nothing could ever change that. If Sufism recognised two things, it was firstly the unity of being, that we are not separate of the divine, and secondly, that unconditional love is the highest activation of intelligence, for without love, nothing truly great would be accomplished, whether spiritually, artistically, socially or scientifically. Death was an illusion, a lie, a fear-based, religion-based control system profited by dark, low-vibrational, interdimensional entities for their own selfish means. Humans were infinite beings with great emotional and creative powers, but few understood this. The fear of death, the fear of ridicule, both kept us enslaved. Um, right. Just drops right. it right on there. Just all, <laughs> okay. just all. In the beginning, there was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, read the Bible. And that word was sound. Sound vibration was the very creational power of the living, sentient cosmos, whose lifeblood was the delicate but all-powerful vibration of love. Frequency and sound vibration were key in the creation of all life. Every living thing with a soul had a distinctive frequency. In simple terms, what we understood to be God was the entire cosmos, a feminine vibration. And everything that made up the cosmos was part of the eternal whole, the infinite one, the all there is. Hence the hermetic law of one. The Christian cross, Maltese cross, the Celtic cross, etc. were all representative of this sound. And being hundreds of thousands of years old originally had absolutely nothing to do with religion because religion hadn't been invented yet. The cosmos was made up of uncountable dimensions or densities of which Valhalla, Heaven, Swagaloka, Avalon and the astral world were integral parts. Wow. So, okay. deep, deep stuff, yeah? So that's deep enough, all right? Now that could be New Age Philosophy 101. Mm. Fair enough, Okay. Yeah, because it's essentially saying, you know, everything is the one consciousness. Uh, that's that's the basics of that. And also within that, within the physical universe that's been created through the one consciousness, Earth is a planet that every single living being has been selected from another place and put into one area, one planet. Yeah, like a well, zoo. Basically, like a zoo. Put there, like a zoo, yeah. It's yeah. A, oh my gosh. A zoo, yeah. Like I always for, knew that spiders were someplace else for some someplace else than motherfuckers. Yeah, and octopus. <laughs> yeah. So 
Um, check this out. Um, again, people are going to have to read it because it's, it's quite a big chapter, but it's worth reading. It's just unbelievably and just awesome. <laughs> Whether it's yeah. true or not, like it's just so I'm going to be reading it in full after this. No, it's um, great. It's great. I want to get to this bit though because this is interesting. Uh, in this book, he has a character um, by the name of Melon. Okay, and he says that this character is not actually a real Melon, but it's based on a mixture of people involved in his family. Um, and in this, he essentially has. A part of it where let's have a quick look the character in this book redway melon he says in the intro to the book he is based on paul melon okay his grandfather so here we go mcmaster who's the character that's written this story says was in mcmaster was informed in no uncertain terms by the soupies that all in all there were 22 distinctive root races on earth With root races yeah. So okay. there's 22 Three races on Earth that every other race has been derived from? Yeah. Base, well, that's what started 22 root races of wow. human okay. being, I guess. With every one of them having been artificially designed from scratch, a common practice in our universe. As for hard evidence of ancient high civilizations, the US Navy had secretly explored the Bahamas, Cuba, and the Azores with a diving bell. They found 400 deep foot deep ruins so huge advanced and encrusted they could only be from the pre-flood era many incredible artifacts crystals and precious metals objet d'art the art had been dredged up using nets this was top secret intelligence from redway melon <laughs> surely you're joking tulips <laughs> noah's ark insufferable sufis navy dumbbells these dates just can't be right and yet this does make some strange sense gads and zooks what if all the academic history books are Nonsense. <laughs> oh no, oh no, surely not. Somehow, fascist Babylonia and Sumeria were spared for the most part from the deluge, and many mystics believed the Anunnaki and their allies had won the cosmic war or had at least survived it. Their strict royal caste system society continued status quo until around 7000 BC, when many people up sticks to go to Egypt, Turkey, Europe, Siberia, and Asia possibly as a result of regional overpopulation, resource depletion, and outright revolt. These rebellious bloodlines conquered as they went. The human race had grown up a bit by embracing the dangerous concepts of freedom and self-determination, and the once all-powerful, bloodlustful Anunnaki kings had become diluted by their own bloodline manipulation, incest, human interbreeding, and family infighting, which resulted in countless wars. These royal family squabbles continued through the millennia to the present day, accumulating hundreds of millions of casualties. But behind it all, distantly watching from the heavens, quiet, patient, hungry for blood, the purebred Anunnaki emperor and his overlords still ruled their various domains and solar systems with a hidden golden hand. That's bloody scary. Yeah. When a conquered... uh, McMaster underlined, when a conquered people are set to fight amongst themselves, they are far less likely to rise up against their true masters. Above it all, and that's a dirty trick, all right. Religious texts were full of such wars and exodus stories, and even the rebellious Moses himself may have have old Anunnaki royal bloodlines mixed in with his Atlantean Egyptian ones. The many important historical prophets, the same. 
So Jew boy Moses was a mixed breed, atypical. And that's the character saying that. She's obviously in 1940s Germany, so... Right, yeah, yeah. Context people. Yes. Yeah. But the Anunnaki, Anunnaki and their pirate scum and mercenary minions from out yonder were not unopposed. In Vedic history, there were said to be many incarnated light warriors hailing from all parts of the universe that fought for humanity's freedom and enlightenment. And the many proxy wars throughout history were a testament to their positive efforts. The American Revolution and the American Civil War were two such examples. If large-scale war broke out in Europe or the Far East, it would be yet another spiritual conflict between the universal forces of light and darkness. Light and darkness, sadly, a common theme in all religions. Most secret societies, uh, the Colonel reckoned, including the OTO, Freemasons, Real, Thule, the Golden Square and the Ananerbi, uh, were pushed partially subservient to select portions of the committee in one form or another through very old, obscured and complicated um, political routes. Now, this is her talking again. Um, and she says, as it should be, I suppose. Wait, 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 hang on. You mean I have dusky Babylonian bloodlines? Ugh, this can't be right. No possible way. Not in my life. The king wouldn't lie to us. Uncle Winnie would, would have told me, wouldn't he? B, the character, suddenly remembered that Mr Churchill had once told her in tipsy confidence he was a member of the resurrected Hellfire Club, the notorious one that secretly worshipped ancient pagan goddesses by having wild orgies and sumptuous buffets in their honour. He had inherited Benjamin Franklin's own chair, the one with the smiling liberty cap psychedelic mushroom on it. <laughs> no way. Is any, of the, is any of this traceable to public knowledge or is this still just kind of like within the context of this book? Well... All of, this, <laughs> all of this is probably traceable, but what we go on to find out is that I don't think it's a secret. Churchill was Rosicrucian of something like the three thousandth degree or something. I'll, I'll you serious? You, you see, this is me because I'm I'm a total newbie to this. You guys are the ones that have read up, so I didn't well, know I, about I that. Known, I mean, I, I guess why not? <laughs> but <laughs> it makes sense. But we'll get there. So what we're talking about here is the idea that there's bloodlines and these things have been coming through time and and, and these made reference in this that they still are based in 1940s. So I just want to find this bit. Oh, by the way, here's a cool bit. Um, Shakespeare's plays penned by Sir Francis Bacon Mm -hmm. and his loyal Knights of the Helmet hinted at all this hidden history and control of the masses very, very carefully, using drama, satire and humour to throw the royal dogs off the scent. Bacon and his mentor, the Rosicrucian mathematician John Dee, an Enochian, Enochian magic magician and genius adept, both wanted America to be the new Atlantis. So that was the idea. Like Basically, we've talked about this, John mm-hmm. uh, and Jay, um, and I know this is coming to other conversations that's, that we've had, um, the idea that Sir Francis Bacon was a Rosicrucian, uh, yeah. working with John Dee, uh, the idea that they had secret knowledge, links to... And, the and that they were like Im- embedding these messages within the playwrights of Shakespeare. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Shakespeare, I mean, that's a whole other story, but... John Dee was a spy for the Queen and all kinds of other things. And, Absolutely. He, he's, yeah. he originally, his original sign-off is what uh, 007's thing's based on. No way. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, big time. Um, so I want to find this because this is just this is just nuts. Because you've got to bear in mind 
that what he's talking about is with these families um, that are descended from what he says are these Anunnaki. Well, yeah, like Anunnaki. You're talking about <clears throat> like basically modern day bloodlines that have descended from this Sumerian origin story of the Anunnaki. That's it, yeah. Um, and in this story, what he talks about is his own family. So what he goes into, now I'm just going to get up another document, yeah? Uh, and this is John, you're saying, like outside John. of the context of the book now, John mm-hmm. talking about his own family. So, so what we've talked about there is that, what he's basically saying is that there's ancient races of humans, I guess, humanoids, um, and they, uh, Jesus, man, it's full on, isn't it? Like um, it is full on. It is full on. Like um, so, they interbred with they interbred with the Anunnaki. The Anunnaki's bloodline got diluted because of infighting and incest and whatever else, and people yeah. fighting wars for each other, proxy wars, because they're all just a bunch of assholes. Yeah, the Anunnaki are various. They're a slaving race. Yeah, they like mm-hmm. yeah. to turn up and to make slaves. It's well, the whole idea is, you know, that they came to make us into gold miners, basically, right? That's the that's the basic yeah. idea. For those that don't know the, I don't know this, you know, historically to the point of accuracy, but the Sumerian origin story, ancient Sumer, one of the most ancient civilizations, their origin story involves these, you know, gods called the Anunnaki that ascended from the heavens. And I believe there's even um, some writing that says that in Sumerian cuneiform that they've managed to translate that says that these beings gave us the ability to speak and think. And, you know, from there we were essentially put into uh, gold mining for these, for these beings and that they were obsessed with gold. Yep, that's it. Like he sent me, basically told me in one of his last emails that he's got like just literally thousands of pages of research notes and stuff that he's worked on. Um, some of it for being part of Little Anton, but some of it straight up. All of this stuff, man, like the the modern conspiracy theories, um, ufology, all the nuts stuff. Um, he sent me basically the first part of his notes. Uh, I'll read you something if that's cool because this this lays it out. It's like basically, it's almost kind of like, here you go. I'm just going to tell you exactly what it is. You ready, John? Yeah. You read out whatever you want to read out, and again, <laughs> again, let me just preface for people: this is coming from someone who is a part of the Mellon and Warner family. So, like, you know, it's not just some average Joe. That's it. Okay, so he's put on it here. Like, he has he has prefaced it by saying. Uh, these are cryptic notes. Few personal opinions. Although, what I'll read you is the preface, which is obviously his personal opinions. Are you ready? Uh, before reading these notes, notes clipped from everywhere and beyond, the reader must understand, understand some sci- scientific, metaphysical, and philosophical fundamentals that most everyone in the big no capitals understands clearly. The deep state secret societies, select military, financial, religious, intelligence, and government officials, for example, Presidents Trump and Putin, the US Navy Secret Space Program, or SSP, and read-in scientific personnel in unacknowledged special access programs all know it. Wait, Trump Trump was briefed on this? (laughs) Apparently, they get it. So should you, pal. They call it the subject, to keep it hush-hush. It didn't work. So regarding the subject that's what they call it the subject that's the what he's subject saying. wow okay firstly you ready so regarding the subject this is it firstly no one dies dummy 
this is the big, big secret. We. <laughs> no you can relax being. now. You, yeah, can, uh, you can chill. Yeah, have some yeah. more wine. No okay. human being has ever really died. Everyone in the cosmos reincarnates as an aura, soul, or spirit. That's who we really are, infinite spirit beings. Our physical bodies are nothing more than rusty old taxi cabs for lugging the soul around. I bloody knew it. Mm-hmm. I did too. We <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> learn, 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 <laughs> then move on to brand new lives. And that's where Mozart, like genius, really comes from. He wrote a concerto at five, get over it. <laughs> Once a person gets over the fear of death, they cannot be swindled and pushed around anymore. Feeling cheated already? Of course you are. The meaning of life is to learn and create and then be service to others. If it doesn't work for everyone, it doesn't work at all. It's pretty freaking easy. That's an African proverb, by the way. <laughs> I like how this guy writes. I was, I was about to say, I really like this guy. I, yeah. I really wish he'd come on with us. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe man. in the future. Yeah. yeah. The cosmos, if you're listening, John. It's always on the table, man. Door is open. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Totally. Because I don't have a show, but we'll get him on yours. <laughs> um, <laughs> The cosmos is 95% consciousness. The rest is plasma, matter, gravity, space-time, electricity, etc. This universal consciousness is also referred as the Akashic Record. No silly dark matter, cosmic dust, or green cheese apply here. (laughs) (laughs) The cosmos contains star nations and star beings, not aliens. Extraterrestrial star beings called ETs. No one is an alien, you ignorant dip squats. <laughs> We're all equal citizens of the cosmos. An estimated 97%, 97% are benevolent, loving, and service to others. Some are indifferent, but that's okay. But the 3%, the so-called regressives, make the Nazis look good by comparison. Ooh, they shit. are horrendous. Damn. Yeah. Then he writes, boo-hoo, deal with it. <laughs> um, the cosmos... <laughs> the of good and evil, positive and negative, hyper-vibration and low are just perspectives. Don't judge. Don't point fingers on your high horse. Don't throw stones in your green technology laden glass house. Just roll with this one. Most of our written history is a lie. It was written, destroyed, hidden away, and rewritten by the winners of wars, suspect religious institutions, corrupt governments, and shitty fancy dress monarchies. Yeah, 100%. That's so true, though, isn't it? You know, that's so true. Napoleon and General George Patton said it too. Big deal. All history is revisionist. Before the Great Flood of 10,600 BC, in geology, it's called the Meltwater Pulse 1 hyphen B. Countless high civilizations existed Atlantis, Lemuria, Mu, Agatha, Og, Chimere, Hyperborea, etc. Earth has been Grand Central Central Station for hundreds of millions of years, people, billions even. All the pyramids and star forts worldwide are stark evidence of these civilizations hidden in plain sight. They were all class one civilizations, fifth density or higher, with zero point free energy and consciousness driven technology. Love those fun ancient myths. Portals <laughs> and stargates are used every day. Some are big, some are small, some are natural, some are artificially made. Our sun is a hell of a big one. Shush, that's classified. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, oh my God, that's... Okay. Uh, uh, Imploding okay. an atomic bomb and presto, Portal City, boys and girls, just like on TV. Extremely valuable and useful portals are all over the Middle East, which is why there are so many conflicts. Antarctica is purported to have a major one that goes far out in our galaxy. 
Our universe has a cosmic web of wormholes for efficient and quick space travel. Hey, it's free. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thousands of races of ETs work with governments and militaries every single day. It's nothing new. If you want a job working with them at the NSA or the Pentagon, just ask why you sign a government national security form. Most are super <laughs> nice and mega smart by all accounts, but not all. I do know if they get uh, I do not know if they get paid well or receive government pensions. <laughs> we are known in the galaxy as being excellent engineers because we continue to innovate where others are stagnant and that's awesome. We don't like last year's Cadillac as much as next year's. <laughs> there is that's true. Look at the iPhones. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Well, we like to innovate, yeah. Um, there is a burgeoning corporate-run barter trade market that's unregulated by any authority here on Earth or out in the solar system of Milky Way. If it's popular down here, it usually is out there. Electric mining equipment, nylons, chocolate, heroin, genetics, gold, silver, Sony electronics, trees, plants, animals, genetics, spices, spaceships, hothouse flowers. You oh get the God. picture. Militaries the world over use safe free energy generators that work on torsion field zero point energy principles, plasma accelerators, cheap and cheerful, ships, underground bases, the moon base, lunar operations command and subs. The energy is drawn from the vacuum of space time. Another secret freebie. How did they figure it out? Read my novel, Little Anton, or just read these darn notes. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. This is incredible. President Trump's space mining bill in Congress was passed because we already are mining asteroids and moons. That's why we need an official US Space Force. We already have one in secret. End of story. Comprende, amigos? <laughs> Jesus. Dude, Shit, even, been... if... Go on. No, no, no. The, like William Cooper, you know, pretty crazy. Behold a pair of horse guy from whatever. But when I, when I was a kid, one of the first videos I saw was a lecture of him in Dearborn, Michigan in like 1986 or some shit or 96. I don't know. I don't remember. It was a camcorder, a shitty version of it, but he pulled out a book and it was a, uh, a NASA book that they produced only like 300 of or whatever. And it was like these, and they were black and white, but there were photos of the moon and, and he like pulled them out and he's like specific. And when I got old enough, when eBay came out and all that shit, it must've, this must've been 10, 15 years ago now, whatever. But I figured I was like, I can get, I'm going to, I spent like 300 bucks on this book. Cause I was like, fuck it. I want to see if this is real, you know? And I have that book and from what he says in this video, he's like, there's mining on the moon. And like it, only in this book, have I been able to find these pictures of like rocks rolling in and out of craters and like oh tracks God. and shit like that. Right. And this yeah, is like yeah, a tracks. Net. Yeah. I've seen those types yeah. of things. And it's like yeah. his NASA book. And he was like, yeah, we've been mining the moon since like the fucking sixties. And like, we have but a base is, and all this shit. This is the thing. It's like, even if a fraction of this is accurate we we as normal civilians and even like you know i mean outside of the especially outside of the ufo community where you might not have even heard of the word anunnaki or anything like that if it's completely new to you you know you're talking about a completely different reality like you know in every in every single form from theological position philosophical understanding technological progression every single element of human progress is a lie essentially because you've got this underlying completely hyper evolved beyond next generation capability and also a a much more expanded understanding of the universe and and what's within it and you know again even if a fraction of this is true it's it's completely mind-blowing and one thing that kind of freaked me out a little bit which is why i went oh oh um is when you mentioned the sun because that's actually something that holden has mentioned to me is that the sun is a portal and I didn't know how to take that, but you know that's the second time that I've heard now that the sun is actually a portal, which is 
Interesting. Should we blow some more mines then? Let's blow some more mines, including my own, mate. I'm going to be all the way through this bottle of wine by the end of this conversation. <laughs> you don't need it, man. Like, um, right. The mostly lousy world press and media are tightly controlled by just a few corporations, conspiracy fans. They literally <laughs> manipulate human consciousness or try to. The CFR, the Bilderberg Group, the Trilateral Commission, the CIA, the Jason Society, Viacom, the Pentagon, MJ12, and many others are in control for now. Watch nature programs and read books instead. <laughs> suck. So do commercials for Depends adult typists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stick stick to David Attenborough and read some books. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, I guess this is what Tom DeLonge when he was in that skip was like. Oh my god! Probably, and mm-hmm. then you, you know the whole idea of Jimmy Carter crying after he was told things. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like, I mean, we're joking about it because we've talk, been talking about it for a week. I'm not really joking about it. Like, um. No, you you kind of have to though, just to make it a bit manageable, pa- like to make it palatable. You mm-hmm. know, no, I'm not a conspiracy theorist to the level of some of this stuff, but when it's coming from again, where it's coming from, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. Let me, and, let me and because of the stuff like like this before this guy. I mean, I was down the path on a lot of this shit by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. so it's just connect. It's just connecting dots that's to things that you've already heard, except that the person that's connecting these dots is in an extremely well-informed position within two key families. Totally, totally. With things that I've never put together, but put together in, in a way now that it makes perfect sense where I can just yeah. go, yeah, and not just go, nah, that sounds like bullshit. I mean, just yeah. like the little things we were talking about, just like the moon thing and, you know, just little tiny things that, you know, Change well, everything. Yeah, like, change yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, I um, let's have a look at this. Hang on. Uh, I'm loving this, by the way. I mean, it's intense and pretty, you know, incredible information. But I'm very much enjoying listening to this. Mainstream science, math, and physics are heavily redacted. The really good stuff has been purposely kept secret. For example, unified field theory torsion physics, dimensional physics, anti-gravity and high-end scalar technology, etc. Schools and universities teach mostly nonsense to keep people ignorant and have been doing so since the Renaissance. Thanks, Vatican and Smithsonian and Royal Society and Harvard. Oops, stone's thrown. Wow. Royal Society. That's, uh, mm. right, what dipshits? Brainwashing 101. <laughs> my advice is to toss that diploma or PhD in the trash. Oh, you can handle it. <laughs> I love the way this guy talks. He's just yeah. so upfront and in your face. You don't give a shit. Does like, not give a shit. I love it. It's so brave, man. Like, Yeah, for real. All religions are 100% grade A bullshit. <laughs> religions and their scurrilous, inflexible dogma were designed long ago by the aggressive folks mind control the masses so we would accept our slavery by the various um, sky gods guess who kids it's the moldy old divide and conquer strategy religions offer only a confusing mix of tiny bits of truth a little wisdom wisdom lots of disinformation and plenty of outright lies leonardo da vinci and galileo knew this so did that fab genius nikola tesla now you do jesus the benevolent ets in our universe called god Source, the one, and all there is. Everyone and everything in the cosmos are part of the one. See the law of one. Spirituality has nothing to do with religion. Don't cry. You need to get over all this too, please. <laughs> <laughs> Linear time does not exist. Nope. Time is circular and never ending. Duh. I figured this out. 
crap out in grade school <laughs> pictures of the USS Enterprise. The past, present and future all exist at once and they're constantly changing. We see changes over time, that's all. Ditch that Timex or Rolex, they're worthless. Time is a flexible force and is used every day for space navigation. Star Trek fans, just plug it into your spaceship GPS and you're off. Yes, yes, my wife calls me Captain Kirk. What? <laughs> <laughs> the cosmos has 12 known dimensions or densities. In between them are infinite layers. We live in the rock-solid, super-dense third, and now the nifty lower fourth dimension by some accounts. The service to self lowlifes of the universe, a.k.a. the bad guys, exist in third to lower fourth only and will not rise any higher. Most nice and happy higher vibrational star beings are higher fourth or fifth density or much higher. The higher up the chain you go, the less physicality you have or even need. Simple dimple. <laughs> Yeah, well, to be honest, like in in all, in all honesty, like it is a bit simple dimple. <laughs> it, it, it makes at least to, at least in my mind, it makes you know sense as you as you're going higher up in in these dimensions that you actually need less of a corporeal physical form because you're becoming more of a you know just like you are going back. It almost makes me think of what I've believed personally about this whole thing of life, which is life is just like a long progressive journey of going home going home being what we are originally which is like kind of everything and this is just my personal belief but like yeah so as you're going up in dimensions surely like you know you shared your physical form you become more and more of what we actually are which is everything well yeah yeah well when he talks about the next bit says uh where are we okay gravity is from the sun's radiation Gravity is also the engine of time. Many different types of gravity hold matter together in our reality. Matter is constructed from light. Light. Yes, even peanut butter and bananas. <laughs> Ask yourself, what are protons? Duh. <laughs> now, protons, like, because I'm not a science type person, but in all my Templar work and stuff, like when you look at the, the highly magnified image of a proton, it's the Templar cross. Mm-hmm. No but, way. Yeah. yeah, which he covers in this as well. That's quite amazing, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, and it appears on like ancient Sumerian tablets, like on Enki's chest and all this stuff. Yeah. So, so is he saying that the fundamental property is light? Of matter, yeah. Yeah, of matter, yeah. That's yeah. something that's been echoed by a few people, including Thomas E. Bearden, who's quite a quite well-known uh, physicist and uh, someone that's written quite extensively about the UFO phenomenon and was interviewed by Dr. Stephen Greer. I recommend people check out some of the writings of Thomas E. Bearden. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. sure. Guys, I got to run. I'm going to, I can... Um... Should, we, should we tell you what? Tell you what, I'm going to be honest, right? It's a good place to start. Let's carry on tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>